This is Darth sitting in Houston traffic listening to my iPod, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast because I don't want to get Q'd. And everybody knows, Q is one letter higher than P. And by the way, if this Chevrolet in front of me does not move, I'm going to chain lightning and dark force use his butt well into the next century. DSP. The BBC would like to announce that the next scene is not considered suitable for family viewing. D20 Radio, your gamers roll. Execute Order 66. Greetings, Gamer Nation. This is Sunday, July 13th, 2008, and this is a bonus edition of the Order 66 podcast, episode number 26. I'm GM Dave, but unfortunately there will be no I'm GM Chris, because he's in, I don't know where the hell he is, he's in Mexico. And so, with that lack of information and that lack of knowledge, where 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 is a guy to turn? I guess we're just going to have to go out to the west left coast and try and see if we can hook up with Jedi Master Rodney Thompson. Rodney, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot. Great to be here. I hope I can uh, step into Chris's shoes. I know they're kind of freaky and weird, demented shoes, but I will do my best. All right. He's game. And yes. also, not not to be left out or to even... I don't, I don't even know what I'm saying. But anyway, it's going to take three guys to fill Chris's shoes today. So welcome back to the show, GM Brev. Well, thank you, GM Dave and Rodney. Nice to meet you, sir. Very excited you too, to be on the show with you guys. So, um, and I tell you what, Dave, if uh, Chris doesn't stop rolling those natural crits on me, I'm just going to keep his damn dog. <laughs> yep, Lord Angus the Bold is yours. I, I promise. If <laughs> the next time he crits you, buddy. That's right. And also from our gaming group, we're going to welcome to the show, and you get the honorary GM title because you are on the show, GM Jake. Oh, hello, everybody. Well, good to be here with you, Colin. <laughs> Jake Looking is a, a great show and hope it's not a disaster. Oh, well, it's going to be the worst show ever, regardless. I mean, <laughs> I just know it. Anyway, Jake is with us on the phone because Skype, um, what would you say, Jake? Skype threw a shoe on you and we just couldn't quite hook up. Yes, it definitely critted me. So, <laughs> so you hey, know. Skype doesn't like ginger kids. That's the problem there, Jake. It's, um, so it's, it's racist, so right. Fire down below. Yep. Now, <laughs> I, I I will tell you this. I did try to I with the Skype thing. I tried to call Chris's cell phone, and uh, let me let me let you let me let you hear what I heard. Hi, this is GM Chris, and I can't come to the phone right now. I am uh, busy sunning and putting my toes in the sand in Playa del Carmen, most likely with my beautiful wife at my side and a cold beverage in my hand. So I can't come to the phone. Leave a message, and maybe I'll get back to you. Dave, if this is you. Son, you better not be screwing up my podcast. See? See how he is? Where's the love? Oh. Where's the trust? <laughs> it could have been a wife in his hands and a beard to the side, but uh, he didn't want to work, I guess. Well, he's got his priorities straight. I'll say that much. See, That's why we, 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 we rape all the horses and ride off on the women. Right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, wow. All right, and that's that's no the three tone for today's guys, show. No, no, I, I appreciate oh, yeah, the three yeah, reference. <laughs> We're just gonna lay out on you next time it happens. We're gonna try and work out four people on the show without stepping all over each other, but hey, it's gonna happen. So in any event. Yeah, I'm trying not to interject too much here because I'm afraid that no one's gonna be able to hear the melodious tones of my voice. Oh yes. The beautiful tones. The dusky dulcets. <clears throat> Thank you. Yes, absolutely. No problem. Let's Hard get to, to s- direct beautiful <laughs> all, all the women listening to the podcast right now are swooning what am i saying women listening to the star wars podcast you've got one. hilarious zarissa is the one and she after at about the 38 minute mark or so and she's going to turn off the podcast and she's going to say uh son you're not ever listening to this again <laughs> yeah actually about the three minute mark she'll be doing it so we'll see anyway let's get to some announcements All right, our site retooling is almost complete. We have a new front page with some links to some feeds that we didn't have before. Uh, I can say that I believe we have a third podcast that is going to join the D20 Radio Network. And I I just don't want to let that cat out of the bag, but I, we're, we're getting hooked up with domain names and forwarding and all that good stuff. So I'm pretty sure it's going to happen, and I can't wait. So what about a fourth podcast there, Brev? You've been, uh, you've been stringing me along for what? Six weeks now? Oh, I'd say it's about eight probably, Dave. Let's get real here for a second. Okay. I'm working on it, sir. I just need a second. Any game, any, any takers? Anybody so, Brev, is it, is it going to be a Star Wars minis podcast then? That's what I'd love to do, yeah. That's what my passion is. I'll enjoy the role-playing game, but the minis is what I'm all about. Well, you know, I've got me some Skype, and I, uh, you know, in fact, I'm sitting right here looking at a complete set of the Knights of the Old Republic minis right now, so if you ever need any help, you know where to go. Rub it in. Oh, man, how about an eBay account? You got one of those? <laughs> uh, what I wouldn't give is the yellow. I might have to do that, first. sir. Okay, just let me know. Wow, that would be awesome, guys. All right, other, in other news, we're going to have, uh, about the website, we're going to add some private forums for people that want to play games via the forums. Now, Rodney, do you do this on your RPG network? Yeah, uh, we've got a forum called Traders InfoNet on our uh, on our forums that basically is there for people to do play by post, and then they can also organize other games that way as well. So we we've got that on SWRPG Network, but I mean, frankly, there's no there's no shortage of of games needing places to play. So. Right. Yeah, and we've had a couple of people ask for for the PVP thing and and uh, sure. or play by post and. And so I think we are going to park some private forums on there for people to be able to get together and take a look and, you know, organize their games and all that. Just just because part of the community wants it. I don't know if it'll be really well, uh, what would you call it, well-received or well-used. But, hey, if it's there, it's there. So, so you know, that, actually, good. I'm just sorry. I was just going to say, are we going to look at a lot of unemployed gamers now because everyone's posting all day at work? Maybe. So you should uh, definitely later in the show we should talk about some online gaming because I've actually been running a D and D game online using some pretty interesting software that can be used for Star Wars too. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, well, yeah. I think we're going to be talking about minis and, and some of the other software packages that that uh, are available there, right, Brev? And then we can we can kind of mix in all that good stuff, eh? Sounds good, man. All right. Let's um, do it too. We get our back into it. Yeah. 
there's one other uh, retooling thing we're going to do with the site, and we are creating right now a D20 wiki. And that is up, although I haven't published the link for it yet and put, put the links out there off our main site. But we have, like Donovan Morningfire, for example, and uh, who else has that giant catalog of house rules? Uh, I don't remember now who it is. I think it's Twilight Goodness, right? She's oh. got a lot of house rules. I don't, I, I don't, is that a shot, put, sir? Put the toilet seat down, don't pick on the cat, that sort of stuff. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Those are my wife's rules. I don't know about, I don't know about her. <laughs> In any event, y'all just go ahead and lay out. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> All right, check out Radio Free Homelet. They should have their fifth uh, adventure up on the intertubes as we speak either today or tomorrow. I think it's due. www.d20radio.com Choose the Homlet link or hit them straight away at homlet.com Obviously, if you guys want to get in touch with us, you can call the Lusa line at area code 206-600-5872 or LUSA. Lusa. Lusa! Lusa! That's right, brother! As the, as, as the thing goes. So uh, you can obviously get in t- touch with us as well. GM Dave at d20radio.com. GM Chris at d20radio.com. Or join the Gamer Nation at d20radio.com slash forum and make your voice heard. Lastly, contests. The D20 logo contest only has a day left. So tomorrow is the day- deadline, and we're going to go get our T-shirts and other various items of D20, what would you say, man? What would you call it? D20 uh, logo wear, swag. Flair. Flair. Just in time for Bastille Day, too. I was Just it, to yeah, me. see, see, yeah. Thanks a lot. You're gonna go. You're gonna go there for me. I appreciate Bring it. Bring the French up. Just for you, buddy. That's right, man. Wait, what does this have to do with a Rush song? <laughs> I don't know. A modern day warrior. Oh boy, here we hey, go. Hey, don't be knocking some Rush. I saw a Rush in concert in Vancouver a couple of weeks ago, and Geddy Lee still got it, baby. Oh man, that guy's awesome. I love Rush. Rush is amazing in concert. That's the way to see him. The, the albums are great, but the, the concert's fantastic. See, we've gone so long that the music dropped out. That's not my nice. fault. You're the one that invited all of us on here. I know. See, that's what happens. You want me to start it over again? <laughs> Woohoo! Okay, the Build a Threat Contest is the last thing. It uh, is suitable anything. Design your own threat, suitable for Threats of the Galaxy. Uh, the winner here is going to receive a free copy of The Chosen One, which is an animated film created by one of our own Gamer Nation uh, contributors, Chris Lackey, or Clacky, on the uh, forum. He is, uh, I believe it's debuting at the San Diego Comic-Con, which either already happened or is about to happen. I forget which, because I'm not keeping up with it. Not yet. Not yet? Okay. You can check them out at www.thechosenonemovies.com for more information on the, on the film. And our last announcement, of course not least, is that the first official WotC South Star Wars Saga Edition podcast is up and available. Do you have any idea who uh, did that podcast, Rodney? Sounds like a couple of losers to me. <laughs> course listen to their fine work at wizards.com slash star wars and it's right there on the front page do y'all have a rss feed up for that yet or is it uh, just you have to hit the site 
you gotta hit the site for right now. Uh, although we're working on getting an RSS feed and a an iTunes page up, the real issue is just that the whole Star Wars podcast thing has been a huge experiment for us. And luckily for me and uh, my co-host, uh, the downloads have been ridiculously good, and it's pretty much a runaway success. So it looks like we've managed to convince uh, the powers that be, both at Wizards and at Lucasfilm, that it's worth continuing to do. So uh, hopefully by the time episode two electric boogaloo comes out be able to uh have the itunes and rss feeds up electric boogaloo let's go let's boogaloo till we puke well, that's right that's Rodney. a breaking two reference absolutely it is turbo the man that's right that's right dude that's awesome so tell me yeah about hopefully by episode here. two cool 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 so did you enjoy making your podcast yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I, of course, you know, we'd already been listening to Order sixty six for a while at that point. I'd, I'd already been on the Order sixty six show, the very first one that I did with you guys when we recorded the Wizards podcast. So I kind of knew what I wanted to do ahead of time, and I was trying to make it, you know, different enough from your guys that it wouldn't overlap, and then at the same time make it, you know, quasi interesting and make it, you know, pass muster at Lucasfilm and at Wizards. So it was it was like juggling a lot of different concepts at the same time, and then that's kind of how it came out. So hopefully the next one, actually, I, I think the next two are going to be really really good because we won't be quite as generic as we were the first time through. This time we was like, yes, let's talk about campaigns because that's not a broad topic at all. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, hopefully we'll get into a little bit meatier discussions in the future and uh, hopefully some more Star Wars specific things. Oh, man, I don't know. I, the uh, It was meaty enough as it was. I'll tell you what, it, it, it spoke to the audience that um, has a tendency to send us a lot of hate mail to say, you know, you guys don't do enough crunch. You guys well, do yeah. a lot of serious crunch. Yeah, so uh, Stephen Randy McFarland, the guy that was my co-host, Stephen is now a developer on D&D, but he also does development work on Star Wars, and he used to be pretty much the content head honcho of the RPGA, so he's got a lot of experience in dealing with surly and unruly game masters and in managing campaigns because he was actually the content manager during the Living Force campaign as well. So I figured the first topic, you know, doing a, a podcast on campaigns would be a good way to kind of ease him into it because... Like I say, most of the time he's working on D and D, so hopefully, you know, that first podcast I kind of whet his appetite for a little more Star Wars work. Cool. Good to hear. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, we are going to let's see. Hold on. Let's call an audible right here, because uh, well, we don't have a postcard this week with uh, with GM Chris being on vacation. I didn't for whatever reason I didn't get his uh, his mail this time around. Actually, Dave, uh, I managed to pick up his Imperial Mail. Apparently, they think you're something like a rebel sympathizer and don't trust you with Imperial communications. I don't really know what that's all about. But uh, anyways, they they sent his mail to me, and I got this card a couple of days ago, actually. It looks like every other postcard I've seen from Camino, just this kind of nondescript gray-colored card with simple writing that says, Masters of the Art of Duplication, visit Camino and preserve your bloodline. Huh. We'll take a look. From across the galaxy, it's time for Postcards from Commander Cody. Dear GM Dave and GM Chris, I never thought that day would come, but it seems even a clone trooper gets some shore leave every now and then. 
After more weeks of extended service in the unknown regions, followed by more weeks of planet hopping to help assemble Lord Vader's team of bounty hunters, it seems my squad and I have been given some time off. So what does a clone trooper do on vacation? Go home, of course. I'm writing to you from Kamino this week, as I've come back home to relax, see my old instructors, berate the FNGs, and hopefully get some water sports in. You wouldn't believe the surfing out here. I was grown here on Kamino, where the Kaminoan people perfected the arts of cloning ages ago to sustain themselves after a climactic shift covered their entire world and ocean. But my home and birthplace is one of the many floating cities above the waves, where there's a great deal of the Kaminoan people who have left the waves for good. The buildings here look white to most people's eyes, but they don't understand that the Kaminoans only see color in the ultraviolet spectrum. I like to put on a pair of UV viewers when I'm here. The buildings and cities turn into beautiful masses of color and art. It's the only true way to appreciate the planet, if you ask me. Kamino's hard to find if you don't know it's there. Technically outside of the Galactic Rim, but south of the Rishi Maze, the Kamino system is an ancient one that sits isolated. A great place to relax and forget about things. It also rains here on Kamino. A lot. All the bloody time, actually. Sometimes the lightning strikes are so large you can see them from orbit. But you get used to it. It really is a beautiful place to visit. And for the connoisseur of science, you can even leave with a very personal souvenir. <laughs> but uh, really, guys, if you get the chance, come on out to Camino. You'll like it. Trust me. After all, can 10 million clones be wrong? <laughs> Long live the Empire, boys. Your friend, Commander Cody. Huh. Well, that's oh. pretty interesting. I'm glad you got it, and me being a rimple, rebel sympathizer and all. Well, you know, what can I say? I do love the great things that Emperor Palpatine has done, and at least the uh, galactic trains are running on time. <laughs> okay, did anybody else get the image of Cody and his Speedo surfing along the waves of the Camino? Because I, I did. It was oh. fantastic. I bet it was for you, wasn't it? Oh, stop, Dave. <laughs> Actually, I was imagining Princess Leia in that little gold bikini surfing, but, you know, whatever. Ah, uh, yes. See, that's... You know, not that there's, not that there's anything wrong with that. Now she's got two sets of buns. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Where, where do we go after something like that? I know. How about mail call? Hey, scumbag, pay attention! It's time for mail call! Oh, that was really, really bad. All right, technical wizard, you're fired. All right, scumbag, pay attention! It's time for mail call! That was me pretty much firing myself, but hey, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, it's real thin this week, except, uh, you know, we have we have some requirements or requests for, for some noob content, which uh, Brev and, and Jake, you're going to help us out with a little bit later. And then I've got sure. one thing from GM Krim. Although I don't really care too much for him putting GM into his name. It's not like I can block it, because it'll block us too. So, you know, hey, Krim, go for it, man. Have a nice day. Um, okay, so basically his question is revolving around powered weapon systems. Uh, it tells you how many shots per weapon per pack. Um and then, but for powered melee weapons like lightsabers or vibro or whatever, it says well that they only require energy cells, and that lightsaber energy cells last almost indefinitely, which you know is a, the, the the core rule book pretty much says. Um, 
Now, he goes on to say he probably wouldn't have given us a second thought if there hadn't been a note that lightsabers require energy cells that cost 10 times as much as normal ones, yet they last indefinitely. So in his opinion, this implies that the energy cells on the other powered melee weapons will run out, and such weapons like blasters may require periodic reloading. So his questions are many. Is this simply a leftover sentence that wasn't properly edited? Ooh, sounds like it was made right for you, Rodney. Do powered melee weapons run out of power, and if so, when? Is there some kind of general rule, or is it a personal GM choice? So he says he's put some questions on the other forums. They've had excellent answers, but one is lacking in one way or another, and he wants an official answer if one exists. So uh, he, uh, he said he's put a Jedi counseling request in, but has no way of knowing if or when it's going to be answered. And then ultimately... Our forum community answered quite a bit, for those of you that don't go into our forums, that ultimately there is a dev ruling in place that melee power cells last indefinitely. Is that correct, Rodney? Yeah, so basically the way it works is melee weapons, uh, including lightsabers, require a power pack to operate just like blasters, but blasters you know, consume their energy much faster than melee weapons. Effectively, the idea is basically that melee weapons require this power pack, but it uses up so much, so little that it doesn't really deplete it in any significant way that needs to be tracked in-game. Now, I mean, you can look at it a couple of ways. One, this is just sort of an in-universe kind of explanation for why, you know, these things require power packs. But it's also there to kind of give uh, Game Masters one more little interesting hook for, you know, their melee weapons, right? Obviously, since a melee wep- a powered melee weapon never runs out of energy, it kind of gives an advantage over blaster weapons, and that makes melee weapons just that much more attractive. But at the same time... You know, if a game master says, okay, so you've been, you know, imprisoned by Gamorrean slavers and they take the power packs out of all of your melee weapons, then that's a way for the game master to basically nullify the character's weapons without necessarily nullifying, without necessarily taking the weapon away entirely. So... Yeah, it's it's kind of a roundabout way of me saying that, yes... As long as they've got a power pack, they last indefinitely. But you know, if you're a game master and you want to look at it as an opportunity to do something interesting with you know your players, then by all means do so. But yeah, it they're effective, effectively infinite, you know, power packs. Right. And Jake, you can answer to the uh, idea of the power packs running dry on your heavy blaster, right? Oh yes. Uh, going through auto fire on a heavy repeating, you burn through those pretty fast. Right. Yeah. It's actually so the the whole consuming power cells thing is one of the things we use to sort of balance uh, weapons like auto fire weapons, and we've got some new weapons coming out in the Force Unleashed campaign guide that consume a lot more shots as well. So it's one way for us to kind of look at it and say, okay, you know, these are really good weapons, right? They're ranged weapons, and when you do auto fire, that's you know an area attack, and they're clearly superior to you know one-off weapons like grenades, which yeah, they give you a quick you know, explosion, but you run out of, you know, they, they effectively have an ammunition count of one, right? So by upping the ammunition on a uh, on a blaster weapon, it lets us regulate it a little bit, and then if we say, okay, you know, this one, this shot, this stack consumes ten shots, and that's 
multi or actually reducing the amount of time between uh, necessary reloads. And if the game master's tracking ammunition and the players aren't, then it's a good way to say, "Oh, well, what do you mean you fire this round because you've used, you know, seventy six shots and that blaster only has seventy five? I'm afraid that's a shame." Now, me personally, I. I don't count blaster bolts, right? I uh, I don't count shots, and I don't require my players to as well, but I know that a lot of people do, and that's why it was included in Saga. It's basically one of those things that, you know, it's easier to remove than it is to add in. But, yeah, uh, I me, I just say, you know, if, as long as you've got power packs, you've got enough shots to do pretty much whatever it is you want to do. Uh, and then uh, I know a lot of people have, have done the whole, if you roll a natural one, it can cause your power pack to be drained or whatever but yeah it's for me i don't i don't count uh i, I don't count blaster shots well see now you gave gm chris an idea when he gets back and listens to the podcast so next time you roll a one jake right, no so <laughs> so obviously you know, so so obviously you wouldn't want to do it every time but i've what i've heard a lot of people do is basically say okay when you roll a natural one not only is it an automatic miss but there's a whatever chance that you also might you know, uh, might run out. So maybe, and one way I've heard it done that I think is okay is, so you roll a natural one and the GM rolls 1d6. And if it comes up six, then your power pack is out and you, you know, you're out of shots. And then if it doesn't come up six, then you're fine. Well, the next time you roll the d6, if it comes up five or six, then your power pack's out. And the next time, basically it's a cumulative thing until your power pack is drained and then it resets again. So there's a lot of ways to do it so that it's not every time you roll a natural one because, well, let's just be honest, that happens way too often. But yeah, there's that. that's one way I've heard of uh, blaster ammunition management that I can kind of get behind, but at the same time, uh, I don't really find it worth the effort personally. Um, I'm an anal, anal retentive self. I actually take little ticks and I mark it under my notes part of my weapons whenever... I'm shooting. I every time I do auto fire with this thing, it's like, oh, there's ten. Sure, I don't and, think and that's Chris abs- is paying attention, but yeah, and and that's absolutely you know fine. We expect. I mean, the default is that we expect people to be doing that. But when I run my games personally, that's that's one of the rules that, even though it's you know technically the rules that we wrote, I I hand wave that one away. Gotcha. Hey Dave, um, I got something in, in regards to the question about. Um, because I read this earlier and I thought this is kind of interesting little question here because I think what Krim's really uh, another another part that he's asking about is is will the power cell on the, on like a vibro axe or or a vibro sword vibro blade whatever will it go out and I think that you know for the GM to remember that this is he's running a space opera it's a high octane action lots of drama so he'd want to give his PCs um, a real challenge something to to, to to, to show what their to show their medals, show how they can get out of it. Um, like I was thinking, if during an extremely dramatic moment, what happens if the vibro axe or lightsaber just cell just suddenly dies? You know, that's drama. That that's conflict. That's that's making your PCs think outside the box and try to be successful. Uh, you know, like they say. And I was replaying Kotor 2, and they, you know, Kreia talks about the exile that the lights that the lightsaber is just a symbol, but the Jedi should be more than just that. And so I was just thinking that that'd be. That'd be kind of a cool moment, you know. You wouldn't want to do a recession because that would be a beating. But I mean, you know, let's say you're facing your, you know, your BBG, and all of a sudden, oh shoot, my uh, my vibro axe cell just died. Now I gotta switch it out real fast, or or something fun like that, you know. Just keep it so you just don't know. Your PCs aren't sure they're gonna be able to take this guy down. It's okay, but, Brent. You know, just my thoughts. 
It's okay, man. We already played this. The BBC would like to announce that the next scene is not considered suitable for family viewing. So you can go ahead and drop your S-bomb. Well, fuck shit, wow. piss, and dick. What do you do? There you go. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> wow, just totally went all the way there. Excellent. Just go oh, ahead and God, shoot sorry. the moon while you're at it. No, that's a grand idea, and thanks a lot for giving Chris uh, even more ideas when he gets back. So, <laughs> screw well, there's always Cortosis, you. Gauntlet, right? Or Cortosis metal. Doesn't that... <laughs> so there's... I'm good giving him ideas. Well, there's always there's a actually... Mando we can't beat, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's actually kind of an interesting little bit of, of game design philosophy there and what we're talking about. And basically, one of the things that I've kind of become a big proponent of myself is trying to say yes to the players a lot. Trying to let the players do their cool and interesting thing a lot. And part of me feels like, okay, so, you know, you get into the fight against the, the big bad guy, right? And, oh, he finds out his power pack is drained. Well, okay, yeah, really it's only going to cost him, like, a couple of swift actions to change it out or whatever. But at the same time, you know, is... The question is, you know, is that really dramatic or is that just kind of an unnecessary hitch in in the player's you know, in the player's turn, basically, right? So I, I think that if you're going to do something like that, you really want to think about, you know, what's the what's the point of this? Is it is it just to inconvenience the player for, for a few seconds, or does it serve some larger purpose? Because I could see it being really cool if, you know, you get there, and you're getting ready to fight the, the big bad guy, and you try to fire off your lightsaber, and for some reason it's fried, maybe the, the, the force lightning you got hit with kind of fried the power pack, and you have to change it out. And that basically gives the game master a you know a five six second time window to have the the sith lord or whatever start tempting the uh the player for example right if you don't want your player to just launch himself against the bad guy if you want to have a chance to get some dialogue in then you know i can see it being a really interesting way to basically give yourself that little five six second cushion to start the dialogue up and basically have him drop some kind of bomb on your uh, on your player. I had this happen in, in a game of mine that I was running just last week where the players were about to attack the big bad guy and the big bad guy basically says to one of the players, oh, you look so much like your father, right? Of course, this player's been looking for his father the entire time, no idea what happened to him, and it, it gave him that just like one round window for him to say that, which immediately brings the entire combat to a screeching halt just long enough to get that little dramatic dialogue out. That sounds awesome. That sounds really cool. Yeah, so I, I, I think I would be careful about doing it just as a, you know, a, okay, well, you're going to lose you know, your swift action from reloading, but yeah, if it serves like a really good dramatic purpose, I think that's a, a very solid idea. What about Well, absolutely, monsters, just like though. in a, you know, Attack of the Clones, when mm -hmm. Anakin's lightsaber goes out, mm -hmm. that allows the opportunity for them to be captured, which then takes them to the arena, they meet up with Obi-Wan again, the Jedis right. and the Attack of the Clones. But, and so I think in that sort of situation, it makes sense. Now, I wouldn't do it just as an FU to your players, but I mean, right. just, just if you're trying to get them from one thing to the other... I think it'd be kind of fun, you know. It'd be kind of interesting. It just it would throw kind of a kink in there, and it'd make them think, "Well, we're heroes, but we'd still make mistakes." Sure, and of course, the whole capturing the players shtick is always really hard to pull off, right? And so, mm -hmm. it's it's hard to pull off a scene like Attack of the Clones in a role playing game because when you capture the players, immediately the players are gonna unless you do it really really well, the players are gonna feel like, "Oh, this is a contrived situation, or we're being railroaded, or whatever." And you know, the, on the one hand, you've got to balance. You know, I want to be a good Star Wars game master and present a scene like an Attack of the Clones, and then on the other hand, you know, you want to be like, "Well, I." I 
I want my players to have you know freedom and the ability to make their own decisions. So, like I say, it's this constant juggling, and there's a fine line between you know I'm doing this to to screw over my players, and I'm doing this to set up a scene later that's really interesting. So, uh, part of you, part of me thinks that you have to already have talked to your players and be like, okay, look, I know this is going to seem railroady or you know whatever, but Trust me, this is going to set up a cooler scene later. And I think that has to do with the interaction and the, and the trustworthiness of the GM and how right. how that how you handle everything up 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 to that point. Because if you've yeah. been kind of a dick the whole time, then yeah, they're going to be like, God damn, I don't want to play with this guy anymore. But if sure. but if you've trusted him and, and he's had a good he or she's had a really good story, something that you're interested in, and there's a lot of compellingness to it, you'd be like, you know, I want to see where this is going. You know, I felt like uh, in one of our one of the episodes we played out with Chris, we had that when we got on the spaceship. None of us really wanted to get on it, but we kind of had to because of the pilot. So we're like, all right, let's see what's going on. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, like I say, if you if you use it to screw over your players, they're not going to trust you when it comes time to use it for an interesting scene. So mm-hmm. I, I think you're absolutely right. It's the whole you know weapon running out of power thing, especially for like melee weapons. The best way to handle that is to save that for rare and kind of important scenes where it actually adds something dramatically and isn't just a, you know, take that players. I'll show you who's boss. I'm the game master. <laughs> yeah, and how many and how then, many melee monsters would be carrying another power pack? Yeah. You know, I I'm not. Yeah. I don't. So That's an interesting Yeah, it's thing. not something we really want people to worry about unless the game master feels like it's a really important dramatic moment. Right. All right. Well, cool. We beat that horse to death. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let is. What do you say? You feel like suspending a couple of rules here and there, guys? You know, I'm actually wearing suspenders, so that sounds good. All right. And I've got my man bra on, so this works. Chancellor, request a motion to suspend the rules. You're gonna suspend the rules? Shut up, Sergeant. Motion granted. You're gonna suspend the rules? Unbelievable. Alright, so we're gonna talk about carrying off an adversary or somebody you're going against. We had a question posted on our forum again this was by tdr starfish asking what if i grapple an enemy with a mantillion savrip which is a large creature as a standard action and then move asking if that's possible logically doesn't seem like it'd be too difficult for a large creature to carry somebody away when they're grappled where does the enemy stand when i finish my move so further discussion ensued about picking up pinned opponents and throwing them off cliffs and such and the fact that the rules didn't say you could do this and GM Chris responded by saying, well, the rules also don't say that Grimorians can blink, but they can. So basically what? The rules are just rules, right, guys? They're not meant to be Love. yeah, the end-all, be-all. And this was kind of getting into the weeds. And so the justification that you know the rules don't say it, so it must be that way is a little bit silly. And, you know, I think, Rodney, you know, chime in here. Would you agree with that kind of, that SWSC is a little bit of a different beast? Well, so one of the things that I've really 
enjoyed about the last couple of months working at Wizards is talking with the D and D designers and and uh, all the guys on that whole you know twenty something man team. Basically, there's been kind of this movement since around the time that Saga Edition got developed to reinforce the fact that we have a game master or a dungeon master in fourth edition's case for a reason, right? I mean, there's a reason why the Saga Edition rules try and boil things down to a little bit simpler, you know, attacks versus fortitude, attacks versus reflex, attacks versus will, right? Making things easier to adjudicate on the fly because we have a game master, not automated game mastering robot machine. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that one and one of the things that I don't think we even enforced reinforced enough in the Saga Edition uh, game mastering section is we want to make it easier to make these kind of judgment calls, right? I mean, Third uh, Edition D and D and D twenty D twenty Star Wars and then Saga Edition Star Wars to a certain extent all try and kind of have rules for everything, and there's kind of this trend away from that in uh, in in the design philosophy these days, trying to make it easier to adjudicate these random situations that come up so for example grabbing and throwing or grabbing and dragging seems like a, a perfectly reasonable thing for a game master to adjudicate but you know since we're suspending the rules there's no reason why we can't offer some suggestion some suggestions right here right and dm tim actually came up with something straight out of g uh, out of uh, what D fourth edition which is you know after you get into a grapple simply apply a base attack bonus plus strength roll versus, you know, an opposed roll versus the fortitude defense of the foe you have in the grapple. And then you can move half speed with your opponent. I liked it. A couple of guys on the forum said, wow, we're going to institute this rule immediately. And it seems simple. It seems like it follows the whole KISS principle that we talk about. And from our game, guys, um, Brev and, and, uh, and Jake, you know, if we could have taken that Crime Lord dude with us, you know, I don't remember his name, but I wanted to slice his head off because he had all the droids, remember, with uh, Salora? Oh, yeah, Newt yeah. Findos. Newt Findos. That's right. Thank you. We could have carried him away. Yeah, then he wouldn't be chasing us all over Blackwater Planet. Yeah, exactly. Sending all these guys. I, know, I got laid out like a little bitch by a battle droid, so. Yeah, one shot. <laughs> yeah, one shot. One shot. <laughs> Pansy. Eh, what can you say? If it wasn't for that Jedi, we would have had that guy. Oh, I know. I would have killed him, too. Mm. The, see, the, the trick is, when you introduce a rule like that, once you introduce it once, players are going to want to use it over and over again. It's sort of this... Uh, the the example I always hear being brought up is... Um, I can't remember whose game it was, but they were playing uh, the role-playing game Feng Shui. And I'm, I'm sure you guys are familiar with Feng Shui, but it's uh, basically the Hong Kong action flick kind of uh, role-playing game. And he had this situation come up where one of his players, they were in like a bakery, right? And the player was like, okay, if I throw this bag of flour at you know the guy, will he you know, will he give me any benefit? And the game master you know, on the fly was like, yeah, you know what, that's kind of a cool, interesting thing. So we'll say... Uh, that if you throw the bag of flour at him, it explodes and it creates, you know, whatever the feng shui term for concealment is around him, right? I, I haven't played feng shui in years, so I can't remember exactly, right? Well, I think it's Kobayashi. <laughs> Kobayashi Maru. 
the problem the problem is after he allows that immediately afterwards his players start carrying around bags of flour in order to give themselves you know that kind of concealment right so you have to be careful when you introduce a rule like this to make sure it doesn't get abused over and over again now when you run a very cinematic game like Star Wars you can kind of basically create this understanding between you and your players say okay you know this is a situational thing uh in this particular case, you can make, you know, whatever, strength check versus fortitude defense and try and drag him, but that's only because it's this particular situation in the future that may not work as well, right? Otherwise, what you end up having happen is, for example, this Mantellian Savric character, okay, if he can pick up people and drag them around, then immediately what happens is every single fight against a big bad guy, that Mantellian Savric charges the uh, bad guy, grabs him, picks him up, runs to the nearest, you know, pit without handrails because that's what happens in Star Wars is they don't put handrails around their pits and throws the Sith Lord into the pit, right? And that's going to happen every single time. So you got to kind of look at it this way. Do you want that happening every time? Do you care? You know, do you, do you, yeah. do you really want to open that Pandora's box? Right. Yeah, I understand that. So yeah, and yeah, that's that one of the sense. reasons... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say that, that just makes sense and I think that's just, you know, that's the, the kiss ruling is just you can't do that one thing that worked really well in the situation and was kind of off the cuff every single time. I think that's just left up to the players as well to use common sense that, sure. hey, you know, we're, we're trying to enjoy a cinematic experience and action-packed and you can't you know, willy-nilly, like you said, carry bags of flowers with you all the time. Right. <laughs> well, it's that, it's that sort of idea that basically, you know, this is why it's not in the core rules, right? This is why we didn't put in the core rules, because if we put a rule in the core rules that if you grab someone, then you can drag them so many squares, and it takes a DC blah, 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 strength check, then what happens every single freaking time is that people pick the highest strength character they can make and drag their bad guys to the pit, and that becomes like the dominant tactic. It's sort of why uh, I'm a little... um, I wouldn't say remorseful, but I have some reservations about powers like move object and the way they allow you to basically pick people up and throw them off into cliffs. Um, the The game is designed to create these scenes that replicate the movies, and while it might be cool to throw the Imperial commanding officer that you fight at level 3 off of the handrailless bridge, it's not quite as cool to do it again to the... Uh, giant toothy bug bladder beast of troll that you fight at level 9 and then again the dark trooper that you fight at level 13 and then again the sith apprentice that you fight at level 15 i mean basically if you're doing the same thing over and over again it ceases to be an interesting star wars experience and just kind of becomes you versus the game and so you got to be careful when you introduce you know game master rulings like this not to open it up to abuse if that makes sense. And it's like that in the movies, in the movies and books as well. I mean, if every time somebody solved a problem with just move object, yeah. it would be a pretty boring movie and a pretty boring book. Right. Well, it's sort of the one yeah, of the reasons why... Unless they're force-lightening your kid, you know. Then you want to yeah. pick... Then you, unless they're force-lightening your kid, then you want to pick up the old guy and toss him over the rail, so... Sure. But see, that was a dramatically appropriate moment for that to happen, right? Because, I mean, exactly. he's the Emperor. He's a 20th level character. How? I mean, I'm Darth Vader. I've got my hand cut off. How am I going to throw the guy off the off the cliff, right? Well, it's a dramatically appropriate moment for that to happen. But, you know, this is why you end up having a force power system like we do, right? Is it a perfect simulation of, you know, theoretically how the force really, and I use that term loosely, really works? Well, no, but it creates a simulation of how we see the force used in the 
movies, right? I mean, yes, theoretically, someone could use move object, you know, 11 billion times and there wouldn't be any problem with it, but we don't have that work like that in the role-playing game because we want to create scenes that are cinematically relevant to the Star Wars universe. Right. All right, y'all, y'all are speaking way too logically for me, so... Well, I, I, that's one of the things I do like about it, and I know we're going to touch on this subject here in a minute, but since you brought it up, I, I like the fact that you know you can't just keep on using all your force powers in every sure. every encounter. You got you you got to got to armament, and you got to figure out when's the best time to use them. Sure. I, I, I think that's awesome. I think that's really cool because yep. before in the D in the D six, I believe you could just keep keep the you know, Wizards of the Coast, not the, the West End Games one. You could just keep using them over and over and over again, if I remember correctly. So yeah, I mean, and like I say, that's that's part of that desire to simulate what we think it really works like and you know some people like that kind of game and that's cool and i i mean hell i play the hell out of you know some d6 star wars and the d20 star wars up until saga edition 2 right so i enjoy it just as much too but with saga edition what we wanted to do was kind of make a make a more cinematic game in the fact that you're not doing the same thing over and over again so it really boils down to the the kind of game that you want to play if you want to play a simulation of the the Star Wars universe, and I, like I say, I know that's kind of funny say simulating a fictional universe, then that's fine, but if you want to play a simulation of what the movies are like, then you have to kind of you, you have to have this kind of tacit understanding at the table with your players that okay, you're not going to be able to do the same thing over and over again, because frankly that gets boring. Right. Alright boys, well, good discussion. Let's um, turn our attention to you know, the fact that uh, the GM Chris may be in Mexico, apparently Twi'lek goodness is not, and uh, we did get uh, an offering from her this week, so let's listen to that. And now, Dark Thoughts with Twi'lek goodness. If my leku were a different color than the rest of my body, I wonder what that would look like. But then again, I don't think any of my clothes would match anymore. This has been Dark Thoughts with Twi'lek Goodness. See, the one show that we've admonished everyone to say, hey, just, you know, don't let your kids listen. And then she comes up with one that's, you know, with Rather Tame by, uh, you know, by all other accounts. You know, frankly, I'm fine with it because... My girlfriend is probably going to listen to the show, and if she heard me on a show where people were saying the kind of things that she said before, frankly, I would probably be sleeping on the couch for the next six months. Oh, so you you want me to say some of them, or you know, will that make it easier on you? Or? Well, Brev, you can say anything you want, baby. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna edit that part out, right? Yeah, I'll take that out. No problem. <laughs> Just for you, uh, guys. I I, I got to go. Uh, I'll talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> Double time it to the bathroom. Yeah. Yikes! There he goes. That's all right, so <laughs> all right, so in response to our community, we've we've had some some requests for noob newbie talk. So Jake and Brev, tell us a little yep. bit about what you like from the perspective of a newbie, or in your case, Brev, actually one that's come back to the to to role playing after about fifteen years of old West End games. You know, what do you guys, you know, I'm going to throw out a nice, big, large, you know, rotund question to you. You know, just off the cuff, what do you like? Jake, you want to start? Uh, sure. Um, what I like is 
uh, after just a quick going of, uh, through the character creation and the rules and just quick process, everything with GM Chris for our, our first, my first game and, and a role playing game in about 20 years, um, it was easy to grasp. And that night, uh, before leading up to the game, I made about 50 characters because uh, just understanding how to do that, the character creation process, the simple math, uh, everything was just easy enough and I, it got re- easier for me to get into my creative mode and thinking about characters, thinking about the kind of uh, role-playing aspects I could hit with this with this character. And I really like just the ease of the system. I mean, it's, it, it is pretty foolproof uh, if you have a good GM. I think. Brev? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one, one of the fun things coming back to Star Wars and, and, and rereading you know, this, this book and, and kind of getting prepped up with all the EU I've been reading and Jake's been reading, um, one of the fun things that, that Chris is really good at is, is getting you to understand on a very basic and very layman's terms, what, it, what do these things mean? What are the, what is, what's the verbiage? What exactly, how does it relate in system? And one of the things that's uh, that's it's different, like hanging out and playing the game with both Chris and Dave, is that Chris is very much what would you like your character to do? Yeah, he, he turns it back on you. This is one of the like this is your character decide what you think is best. And Dave is fun because he's like, just do that, just get that power. This is gonna be awesome. A, a bounty hunter with force lighting. Yeah, it's gonna be badass. <laughs> And so it's fun playing with both of them in that aspect because uh, it's, it's, it's just cool because, because you know, as I say, Chris, it puts it back on you. But Dave has some really fun ideas and just for some badass characters. Um, one of the other things I really like is that you don't have to buy everything to be a player. Um, I mean, Jake and I are both kind of OCD on this one. We like to get it all so we know everything. But um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but. but the fact that you could just buy the core edition rulebook and play is fantastic. Um, I really like that because I felt in other systems like I had to keep buying stuff in order to understand what was going on, um, I, and I dig that. I mean, I picked up starships. Jake picked up threats. It was you know it's great that we can you know look at those books that so we don't need them, but it's exciting to to have them. It makes it, it makes it even more in depth game, but we don't need to have them in order to play. Right. Um. One of the other things, and, and, and this is kind of one of those, um, one of those. I, I love minis, but I think the marketing so far for me and the timing of everything with the, with the, with the role playing game seems to be better than with the minis. I was kind of bummed out that the Force Unleashed minis came out and then there's no game to back it up. And I know that's dealing with several different factors, and, and I appreciate that. But you at mean, the same time, it was is still frustrating. You mean Kotor? I still don't have any. any uh, not uh, the Force Unleashed. Um, oh, okay. When there's there's a mini set that came out last November, and there's there's still no video game, no book. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. And so that that's that's kind of frustrating um, because like you know I got this really cool character named Maris Brood, and I have no idea who she is. So yeah, you really have to depend on the uh, the Wikipedia and Brad, who is uh, speaking of OCD uh, with minis. I think you have uh, every single one and then some. Uh, as I'm sure many mini collect <laughs> minis collectors do have, but it also makes it fun the the combination of the minis in uh, being used for the role playing game. I mean, I know it's no, nothing new. I mean, people have been using the pewter figures and and you know whatever since the, that stuff started. Uh, but just uh, for us, because like, uh, Brett and I we made it modded our own minis for our characters in this home uh, home game for GM Chris, and just getting into that and getting into the 
creativity of, of how to play the character, what the character would look like. Um, the Saga Edition just allows you to quickly get into the character and quickly get into the story. There's not a whole lot of strange rules and you know weird things that, uh, frankly, for me, with D&D 3.0, uh, the last time I played, uh, that was a turnoff. I really like making characters, but once we got into all the rules and whys and hows, I just got, I was, you know, I was 12. So I was just kind of like, what? Can I just hit him with my sword? Is that cool? <laughs> I don't understand, dude. And this game is really, uh, I think it's, it's, it's complicated enough so, so hardcore gamers can really get into it as well and think they're keeping the numbers and playing the game. But also newbies like myself can get in and get into a game that's, you know, a couple of game sessions long and just feel like, hey, this is really progressing. This is, I feel like I'm playing a book or a movie or a video game in, this, in Star Wars' this case, and it works. Yeah, I think I think you guys are right. When I first got into this system as well, I, I share a lot of the same uh, a lot of the same ideals about how easy it was to learn. I think even you know I could probably teach my daughter to play, although she's not really into that stuff. But um, I could probably teach her to play in under thirty minutes, you know. And and I think that's the case with just about everybody. Like Cat in our group, first time to pick up any RPG whatsoever, and she. Yeah, and she has really picked well. it up, and she yeah, she role plays with the best of us. I mean, she wouldn't let me kill the dude. What's his face? Well, you know, whatever his name was, I don't remember Findos. again. Findos. Yeah, Newt Findos. Yeah, she wouldn't let me kill him or Salura, who's me really in disguise. And uh, you know, so I mean, she's doing great. So, and, and one other thing that that is cool, Rodney, and 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 I know that Jake and I talked about this before when we started playing minis a few years ago. Minis are great, but you can only go so far. I mean, you can make different squads, you can do all sorts of stuff, and it's great, but it, it, you can't really delve into and creating characters. No real ownership of mm-hmm. that character, that character, sure. that character, that character. So if they if they get, they get taken out, they get taken out. Done. But I mean, if it's your character, you don't want them to get taken out. You know, you, sure. you get that critical hit, and you're like, God damn it! Now I gotta spend a damn force point. So Chris doesn't take me out with the damn battle droid. Make me go home and cry. But that's. Well, for me, that's what I like. I don't know, Jake. You have anything else you want to add? <laughs> um, no, I think I think that covers it. Kudos to to Rodney and company because I think uh, you guys are on target with uh, a great uh, set of products that you're coming out. Sounds like, and I'm excited about all the new stuff. I'm looking forward to it. It can't get here fast enough. I'm sure I speak for the many millions that are awaiting the next series of books uh, and information that you guys like to sprinkle on us. I mean, everyone I think is waiting. Uh, for the next podcast, just so they can hear what nuggets of uh, up-and-coming stuff is on the way. Sure. Absolutely. Well, thanks for all the compliments and everything. I, You know, it's funny talking about miniatures. I, uh, I personally... When they announced the Star Wars miniatures way back many moons ago, I was still but a unfrozen caveman freelancer at the time. And when they announced that, it was it was like an angel descended from heaven and said, "Rodney, everything you've always wanted for the real role playing games, we're going to give that to you in a form of a miniature, right?" Because I mean, like I, I started playing with the West End Games D6 Star Wars, and actually that was my first first role playing game ever was. Uh, D6 Star Wars, right? And that whole time, you know, I was always fascinated by the the metal miniatures, but I don't have any artistic talent whatsoever. And between that and, you know, how expensive it was to collect them, I was always like, yeah. man, it sure would be nice to have these miniatures for the role-playing game, but, you know, 
I, I just I, I can't afford them. I don't have the time for it. And then having the pre-painted plastic minis, you know, if you use miniatures, and I know a lot of people don't, and that that's totally cool, right? I mean, everybody has their own way of doing things. But if you use them, just the ability to get, you know, a ton of stormtroopers pre-painted, or you know, whatever you need like that has been. You know, it's it's really changed the way I game, and because I always wanted to use miniatures, and now I can, and it's just, uh, yeah, I I, I got to tell you the 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 miniature side of things. It's one of the things that like I I know how to play the skirmish game, and you know it's cool. I played in the I play in the tournaments every now and then. We have internal leagues, but for me, I will buy three or four cases of the minis myself just to have you know good role playing characters, like bad guys for my role playing games too. So. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those deals where they've they've really contributed to my game in ways that I was surprised they would. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. Like like I never thought I would use them this much, but then I I turn out to do so. I think it does yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah, we use them all adds, the time. You know, it only adds to the experience. You don't use them for every encounter and every single thing, but uh, for the yeah. ones you need it. For me, if somebody who's very uh, you know tactical oriented, and I I like to look at you know. Real-time strategy games and other other games that are okay. I've got these pieces and I need to move them like chess and checkers. All those kinds of games. It really helps me see. Okay, it helps me define what I'm looking at and what I'm hearing from the GM as as he's developing the story. So I, I'm a big fan of the minis edition. Yeah, and with Saga, with Saga Edition, what we wanted to do was, you know, we said, okay, we've got this line of Star Wars minis out, right? And people are going to be using them because they already were. It's actually kind of interesting, and I don't think I'll get in trouble for saying something like this, but we, we do a lot of market research at Wizards. I say we, but basically other people that aren't me that actually have free time uh, do a lot of market research and then occasionally tell me about it. And we found out, you know, that... Almost as many people buy the role pl- or the miniatures for the role playing game as do for the miniature skirmish game, and obviously there's a lot of crossover there as well, right? So, you know, we're we're designing Saga Edition, and it's like okay, people are going to be using this these minis for the role playing game because they already do, right? So we want to make that easier, but we also want to make it fast because you know, unlike D and D, and you know, I love D and D, and I play D and D, and I run D and D as well, but unlike D and D, we don't really want you know, hour and a half, two hour slogs where people are moving miniatures around the battle mat. We want things to go kind of fast. So what we wanted to do was we wanted to make the time from the time that your minis hit the battle mat to the time that you move to the next segment of your game. We wanted to make that as smooth as possible. So hopefully, and from the way it sounds like what you guys are saying, you know, hopefully we succeeded in that regard. But like I say, we we want it, we want the once the minis are on the mat, we want that to go fast. We want that, you know, round by round to go quickly. We want it to be easy for players to grasp. What can I do? How do I do it? And you know, go from there with that, so that it doesn't become basically a tactical miniatures game that also has a story. Right. Right. That's so, working. so um, <laughs> you know, we we've, we've talked about what we like. Anything you guys don't like right now? I mean, you guys do kind of have a really important person to tell you know i've also got uh, some of these as well <laughs> uh well it's it's hard for me to you know i'm sure if, if i had been playing a lot longer i would have uh, more grievances with the system um you know because everyone finds their little nitpicks and their points that i wish this was a little different uh, but i'm only on my first game so my my grievances are more with just you know uh playing my character sometimes i just find that it's and it's all my fault. Uh, just slipping in and out of of the character, missing like crazy when I'm supposed to be this elite, you know, 
I'm the guy that's shooting the gun and I never miss, and then I'm missing, you know, eight times out of ten. <laughs> so, I mean, as far as the system itself, though, uh, I don't find it lacking for me. As a new player, I'm still exploring it. I'm still learning. A few things I, I, I disagree with, and that's just, you know, you guys are making these calls uh, when you're at, at WASI when you're making the product. Some of the character uh, species, pluses and minuses, I'm sure every every player out there has, you know, their, oh, that was a great selection on that character, but on this species, maybe not so much. And, and the classes and talents, um, I think, are, are working great. I'm looking forward to more. Um, so I, I was looking at... Um, the noble for another game that uh, I think we may, we may start up, and I was feeling like it was a little restrictive, but that's just coming off of a, a soldier character. So I, again, I'm still learning the different classes and how to play one. Okay, that sounds fair. I think I've gone through just about every class now. I haven't gone through every race, but uh, I've gone through every class, and I I don't have any real misgivings with the stats. I mean, because every single race fits with another with some class somewhere. You know, if if you if you've got a goal in mind, every race seems to fit. And now with the with the new threats, we've got some new races in there that I can't wait to explore as well. But, you know, speaking that that being said, I I do gravitate toward melee monsters and I think the next campaign I'm going to try something either ranged or something a little bit more role playing along the lines of a noble or a crime lord or something along those lines. So, you know, the beauty of the system is that it allows the flexibility to do what you want with your characters. And, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'm like you. I don't really have any misgivings. What about you, Brett? Uh, the, the only thing, I had a little bit of trouble when I first picked up the book. And that's just because I'm the type of guy, um, I, if I read something, I'm not going to get it. I mean, I can read it, but if you tell me it and you show me it, then I got it. No problems. But if you just give me a book and say, read this and know it, I'm like, <laughs> ain't happening. I mean, I can go over it 10 different ways, and I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. But And so some of the verbiage was kind of getting to me, but when Chris sat down with me and, and kind of said, well, this is what this means, this is what this means, I said, oh, okay, I got it, no problem, done. Um, the only other beef that I have, and this is because I'm the minis player, uh, it, it's not minis, so you can't, can't play it in an hour and get home before the wife gets pissed that you haven't done the dishes. That's the right. Thing. That's not... Yeah, wife. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is six to seven, eight. How long is that one game? We were there till oh, good Jim lord, we were there till four in the morning. Four, yeah, four in the morning. And I, you know, I got home about the time my wife's kind of rolling over, starting to get uh, getting up. I was like, thank God you didn't wake up before I got home. Good lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would have had to bring Cabana. It's hard to role play, it's, it's hard oh. to role play at four a.m. It's yeah, hard it, it is hard. <laughs> well, we were all getting slap happy and giggling and everything, but it was fun. I mean, we have a good group, so yeah, it was. It was. It was really fun. So, can we talk a little bit about Knights of the Old Republic? How much? How much can you share with us at this point, Rodney? Or well, not? the book's pretty close to being out. I don't actually have a copy of it myself just yet. Um, I have you know my working copies and everything, but I don't have a a physical print copy yet, so it's a little further out, but we can talk a little bit about it. I, I, I'll i say no comment if we can't talk about what you want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, can I ask one question? I'm sure some others are, because it was a point of contention on the last book. I love the okay. last book, um, but the whole table of contents index thing, are we yeah. looking for a repeat of that, or have you guys looked at that and went, you know, we probably should do something. 
So, yeah, so the the funny thing about Table of Contents is it's one of those deals where it's the last thing that gets done, and when it comes down to it, a lot of times we'll end up saying, okay, well, we can you know either cut out a page of content or do a Table of Contents, or excuse me, not a Table of Contents, a, uh, an index, uh, and I usually have gone with the extra page of content. Now, that having been said, one thing I'd like to do, and I've already talked to uh, our web guys about this is if we can't get a, an index into a book, which you know that's going to happen every now and then. But if we can't get an index in, what I'd like to do is also uh, release that index online, right? So you know, if we can't put it in the book, we'll at least release it for free on the internet, so nobody has to do that work themselves and try to get it up, you know, around the time of the release of the book, so that all you have to do is you know print it out and stick it in the back of the book if you want to. It's not a you know, it's not a perfect solution, and I already talked to our uh, managing editors about putting indexes in future books. But it's one of those deals where, um, you know, it, trying to turn a giant tanker takes a little while. And even though some people might see Star Wars as a uh, less prioritized, you know, role-playing game, certainly it is a tanker nonetheless. So it takes a while to get changes made. Um, for Nice Little Republic, uh, there's I, I don't think we have an index in the back of the book. Although, like I say, I haven't seen the final copy of the book yet. Um, but if we if we don't, then we're going to try and provide an index online because I know some people want that, um, and it it certainly it's not so much effort that you know oh, I can't be bothered to do something like that. No, it's it's nothing like that. It's more a matter of um, so. For example, Nice Little Republic, we spent like the the last little bit of the editing process having to trim out you know a paragraph here a sentence there just to get the book down to page count because almost every book that gets written is written over page count so uh, we had to we had to trim things down a little bit so um so the official answer to sum up all of my random rambling is if it's not in the back of the book we'll try and get it out online for free well, I think that's that's great because I'm sure that'll help uh, alleviate a lot of the uh, the cries from the masses. Um, you know, because for me, just as a newbie player going into that, I was like, oh, I'd you know look at the book uh, back to cover. I may not have understood everything that was in there because I was still new, uh, but I was getting into it, and then I discovered that there, those things weren't there. And I was like, well, no big deal. I'm just a player. I'm not a GM. But I could see how for a GM, you know, having that index and having right. or at least a way to quickly find references would be beneficial, and if it's going to be provided online, I'm sure that will go a long way to help out uh, GMs out there. Right. Cool. What you got, is Brev? It, is, is, that, is the new book going to just be all KOTOR? Like, the entire uh, thing, cover to cover? Or are we going to have, like, Legacy of the Force stuff in there, Republic stuff? I mean... So, basically, the book is designed to cover a specific timeline that mm -hmm. starts with the Great Sith War, which takes place in the Tales of the Jedi comics, and ends after uh, Knights of the Republic II, the Sith Lords. So basically the four big um, media bits that we cover are the Tales of the Jedi comics, followed by the Knights of the Republic comic series uh, that's being put out by Dark Horse right now, and then KOTOR 1 and KOTOR 2. Uh, and then, obviously, we fill in the like gaps a little bit. It. Yes, exactly. Uh, we fill in the gaps <laughs> a little bit, and we talk about the uh, you know what's going on between the games, between the comics, etc. And we were also lucky enough to get, and I'm sure a lot of you guys know this already, but we got John Jackson Miller, the comic, uh, the guy that writes the Knights of the, of the Old Republic comic, 
to also work on the role-playing game sourcebook as well. So basically we were able to collaborate with him and make sure that anything we were putting in to fill in those gaps didn't contradict anything he was writing. And so, yeah, it, it worked out so that it's sort of one of the things that I always wanted to do and was never really satisfied with uh, so far in any of the, the books put out by uh, Luke's film so far is we wanted to make this a more coherent time period like the the prequel era and the Clone Wars era is a very coherent time period despite being covered by comics and books because there's this there's the movies to kind of base everything around whereas the Tales of the Jedi comics and Knights of the Republic were very disjointed and like me personally even though I have all the Knights of the Republic comics I've played both the video games I've got all of the Tales of the Jedi comics I never really could figure out what the timeline was. I kept getting events confused. So one of the things we've really tried to do with this book is take this kind of jumble of media uh, across you know, comic series and video games and combine it together in a way that actually makes sense as an era so that when your players, your game master jumps in, he says, okay, you know, I know what's going on in this time period. This is the, for example, this is the Mandalorian Wars. I know why we got here. I know what events led up to this. I know what's coming later. And I know what the general theme is, right? Like, we, we've tried to give a theme or a feeling to the era that distinguishes it from other time periods, right? So for Knights of the Old Republic, for example, one of our big themes is this kind of sense of barbarians at the gate, right? Like the Republic is this great civilization that has now got the, you know, the Sith or the Krath or the Mandalorians kind of banging on the walls and sometimes they break through. It's... It's very much this uh, ancient Rome feel where you've got this great civilization that's also a little bit corrupt, but at the same time, you know, they've kind of brought the light of civilization to the galaxy, and then occasionally you've got these barbarians, which, you know, Mandalorians or Sith or whatever, that try and tear all that down. So it's this constant struggle between civilization and barbarism or civilization and destruction in the case of the Sith that we've tried to lay over the whole era to to make it feel so like when you play a Knights of the Republic game, you 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 know you have that feeling that you walk away with that you know what we're doing is preserving civilization, not just the Republic, but you know civilization as a whole. That sounds fantastic. That sounds, yeah, that sounds very exciting. I'm I'm, uh, I'm just like you. I'm, I'm following the, the uh, comics, played the mm-hmm. games many times. Uh, I've you know even gotten to even though it's kind of past that time period, the Bane, the Darth Bane books. Right. Uh, and I'm Wikipedia uh, addict and looking at all that information, just taking it all in. So it'll be exciting to see some of the fun things you guys come up with to throw at us. Uh, I had a question about the starships of the era. Uh, now, obviously, you know, there's enough probably to make another book just based on sure. the starships you guys could come up with. Is there going to be are, any uh, starship additions that are more era-specific besides the dynamic class or the Ebon Hawk? Yeah, yeah. In fact, so I'll I'll totally admit it. I am a complete starship freak. Um, it was pretty much because uh, I uh, griped during the development of Saga Edition that we got Starships of the Galaxy as the first source book because I'm a I'm a total starships geek and well, frankly, uh, I get I, I abused my power a little bit to get the Starships of the Galaxy book out first. But regardless, so for for <laughs> nice, the older. Pro- <laughs> You know, it, it seemed to be a pretty good, you know, pretty good deal because everybody liked it and bought it, and it's selling really ridiculously well. So well, it seems well, like I actually they could add it I, in perfect, perfect, because yeah. <laughs> the section on starships is kind of minor in the in the in the saga. Yeah, rules, and, so I think that's perfect addition. 
Yeah, that was one of the reasons why I wanted it too, because I I never felt like we gave it the uh, the the amount of attention that I wanted personally. But regardless, to get back to uh, Jake's question, basically uh, what I like to do when we work on one of these source books, especially the era-specific ones, is I like to go back and comb through the comics and video games and look for every possible starship or vehicle design that I can find and pull that out to use in the game, right? So, for example, you know, if you see a random speeder sitting on the side of the road in Knights of the Old Republic, the video game, there's a pretty darn good chance that you're going to see that in in the role-playing game as well. So, we've got a whole chapter on vehicles and starships that is dedicated to, you know, these are the things that are kind of on general sale in the galaxy, Right, so like you know, if your players want to go to their local used starship lot and buy a starship, these are probably the kind of things you're going to find. And then in each of the faction sections, uh, you're going to find starships and vehicles dedicated to those factions. So, for example, the Republic and the Mandalorians chapters both have a lot of starships and vehicles in them because we've seen a lot of starships and vehicles in the Kotor comics and and then in the Kotor video games as well. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's sort of this, um, it, it's organized by faction for the faction specific ones, but then we also have generic starships and vehicles that everyone's going to be able to get their hands on. The reason behind that, and, and I know that a lot of people would like to have everything compiled into a single chapter, but the reason behind it is because we kind of looked at it two ways. The first I don't want to say half, but the first chunk of the book is designed for players, right? This is the players section of the book. Uh, we're treating these campaign guys kind of like campaign settings. So, you know, when you get to that Starship chapter, that's, that chapter is written for the players. These are things that you should buy. These are things that you should, you know, look at being able to get that don't necessarily require any special Game Master permission. When you get to the faction things, like, you know, for example, we've got the the Republic Starfighters that you see all throughout the uh, Knights of the Republic video games. When you get to that point, those are the kind of ships that you kind of need the Game Master's permission to get because they're not for sale on the general market. They're, you know, the military starships. You can't just go and buy one. You need special, you know, permission from your Game Master or he needs to weave you getting that ship into the story beyond, you know, okay, I just go buy this, right? So um, anything that requires Game Master effort, basically, uh, is in the relevant faction chapter to kind of distinguish it from, you know, these are the things that you're expected to just be able to go buy. Cool. Cool. Yeah, but we've got we've got a lot. And in fact, I I think we may have too many, but <laughs> we, there, there's a lot of new starships and a lot of new vehicles. Rule number two. Too much is never enough. <laughs> right. Better to That's have awesome. Need, need to not have. That's right. There you go. Kind of like an inhaler. So the, the other thing, so just one more quick thing. The other thing I really like doing is taking obscure and background ships and creating interesting stories for those ships and then also creating good art for them as well. And so you'll see a lot of ships that you didn't really get a good look at in the uh, – in the video games that we've got sweet art for now that you can actually see what this is. And I think that really helps make it part of a real universe. You know, oh, well, this is the ship that 
I, I guess this probably won't spoil anything, but in the Knights of the Old Republic uh, 1 video game, when you go to the, I think it's the Sandral estate on uh, Dantooine, and you look up at the top of the estate, there's like this big space transport, kind of looks like a gunship sitting on top of it, and you never really get a good look at that, but the 3D models were available in the game's files, so what we did was we went in and looked at the 3D model for that ship and then handed that off to our artists and our artists took that and rendered that as a you know as a fully realized starship that they are able to then turn into you know an interesting piece in this space battle scene. So hopefully we've managed to take some things that are uh somewhat obscure in background and turn those into more mainstream things. Dude, you have no idea how wet my palate is. <laughs> Uh, Just your palate, Dave? Well, I'm not a girl, so, you know. <laughs> speaking okay. of art, speaking <laughs> of artists in the books, I know that, uh, you know, the cover art, uh, we, we all assume is the, is what it's going to look like. But now a lot of people are, you know, salivating over it. And it is, I think, uh, a very cool-looking cover. But, I, you know, I have the three current books, and going through them, I just noticed that uh, art varies. You know, sometimes it's a, a, a photo touched uh, picture. Uh, sometimes it's painted. Sometimes it's like cartoony. How many uh, kind of artists and people on 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 staff do you have to to get all this work done? Most of our art is done freelance. Um, obviously, any of the movie stills, we actually man we have a. Uh, a database that we can pull those from uh, at Lucasfilm, but anything that is new, like any new art, is uh, commissioned through freelancers. We do have art directors in-house. Um, Ryan Sandsaver and Paul Hebron uh, have been the art directors on Star Wars so far, uh, but we have a... Each art director has a stable of freelance artists that they uh, call upon to do the art for it. So at any given time, I mean, I could I could look in the front of the Starships book or Threats of the Galaxy here, and let's see here. Let me I, I got Threats right here in front of me. So let's see here. Four, five, six, eight, nine, ten. So we got about ten different artists on Threats of the Galaxy, and actually one of those is uh, Udon Comics. And Udon Comics is actually a uh, collaborative group of artists that have come together, and basically you contract art out to their group, and then they assign it to individual artists. So um, they probably have another dozen or so artists that they work with uh, indirectly. So, yeah, at any given time, there could be ten to twenty artists on a given book. I would say. So does, does that mean that uh, since you guys work with a lot of freelancers, does that mean for the gaming or gamer nation out there listening, is uh, budding young artists or, or guys who want to get involved somehow more than just uh, uh, living the role playing games, is, is there something they can do to maybe get involved with that, or is this uh, is that for another discussion? No, it's uh, it, it's totally like real humans do this art, right? I mean, just normal normal people can get involved. The thing I would recommend is uh, if you are an artist, and I know that uh, a lot of fan artists have done this so far. If you are an artist, what you really want to do is talk to our art directors who go to you know Gen Con and and San Diego Comic Con and uh, New York Comic Con and stuff like that. And you want to talk to those guys, and you want to bring a portfolio. Now, I don't know a whole lot about this process because I can barely color inside the lines. But <laughs> if you um, if you want to be an artist, you want to bring a good portfolio that represents your work. 
and uh, to one of these shows so you can show it to the art director face to face. If you can't manage to make that happen, you can try and do it over the internet. Although I don't know how much success you have with uh, showing people your art electronically, but I know a lot of uh, our current artists have started out just as fans. I'm I'm good friends with uh, an artist named uh, Daniel Falconer, and Daniel actually works at uh, Weta Workshops in New Zealand. He worked on the Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, if you have the Lord of the Rings extended edition DVDs, by the way, you can get on the uh, special features behind the scenes stuff and see Daniel talking about his concept art. It was pretty cool because I had this total geek moment. I was like, I know that guy. He's on the DVD. I know him. Uh, but yeah, he started out doing freelance art and just doing like fr- – basically I totally abused his friendship and he did a bunch of free art for uh, my SWRPG Network website and then eventually made the transition to doing art for uh, – for our role-playing game, right? And I know that another artist that uh, does art for the Star Wars Artist Guild has started doing uh, freelance art for our website as well. So, you know, it's it's totally feasible. And the same really goes for writers, too. It's a little bit harder to break in because it's, you can't really bring just a portfolio of your writing to a, a show and show off. But, I mean, yeah, it, it, Star Wars is always in need of good artists and good writers who... Well, who are good at their job and also can hit deadlines. That's the other thing I must stress. If you want to be a freelance artist or writer or whatever, you must be able to hit a deadline. Otherwise, you know, you're know you almost no good to us because I hate to say a deadline is king, but in a lot of ways it's true. If you can do quality work and hit your deadlines, there, I mean, there's a really good chance that you could get continuing work in the role-playing game industry. Right. Guys, That's you want to talk about pretty much, uh, for, for any job that you're going to have yeah. the to hit the deadlines. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, that's I, good. That's good information, man. Good to know. Yeah. I realized a few awesome. years back that uh, almost every job I've ever had, all you have to do to succeed is do your work when they tell you to do it, and uh, it's not any different for the role playing game industry. It's amazing how that works, isn't it? <laughs> yep. Hey, what about minis? We've got uh, Kotor coming out with a new with a new set, mm-hmm. and uh, we you know we've got the minis guys here, Brev. Um, you know, and, and, and Jake, there were some things that last time that we, we had a mini show, what episode, I don't remember, 14, 15, somewhere around in there. Something like that. Yeah. And we did not mention a couple of things regarding minis. And so we have, we have the opportunity here. We've gone way over what our normal show length is. So now I just don't care. So, you know, (laughs) let's, uh, let's talk a little minis. Okay. Uh, well, the, uh, Rodney, as you know, and Jake and Dave, the, in order to coincide with the new book coming out, and I'm very excited about this, they have a whole set of uh, Knights of the Republic minis. The, there's already some some really cool previews up on the webpage. There's also mm-hmm. previews all over, scattered out uh, throughout the internet that you can find. Um, people going and taking pictures of the cards and the pieces. So, I mean, this is getting very, very exciting, and I love the fact that this set is, is Knights of the Old Republic. It's one of my favorite Eras in Star Wars. One of my favorite. When someone when someone asks you your favorite Star Wars moments, one of mine is definitely when Exar Kun. Whoa! To the Jedi Council, just a just a badass moment. I just loved it. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> so very excited about the this next set. Excited that you should see a bunch of the heroes that that we love um, from the set from from the game. We got Carthor uh, Nassi, Adam Rand, uh, Juhani, a whole bunch of really really awesome characters that 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 you. You know, you, you had a journey of 40 to 50 hours with, and finally we get to finally we get them, so it's exciting. Um, Dude. Some, 
What's up? Your Skype is like, <laughs> it's all screwed up. <laughs> Do I need to start that over again? No, man. We, we, we caught most of it, I think. Oh, God. And my, my, my headphones have been jacked up this whole time. So I'm sorry, guys. I'm just worthless. Um, it's true. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> mom? Was that uh, mom? <laughs> Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I have subscriptions. All right, so um, what else? What else about this, Jake? You've seen a lot of the mini, but what, what are you excited about? Well, I'm I'm excited as a Kotor. Um, you know, I have to say that um, Kotor, starting with the Knights of the Old Republic uh, game, the first one, really, uh, and your and your assistance, Brett, pulled me into Star Wars. I just, you know, I liked the movies and everything when I was uh, younger, and I, you know, I went to uh, school, and I was always, always around. Um, but having now a whole set dedicated to something that pulled me into something that I truly love, uh, it makes me, uh, well, I get a little teary. Um, <laughs> I'm just excited to see that we actually got some focus on some characters. We have more than, like you said, just, just these. Uh, it felt like a, a feeble attempt to sort of please the KOTOR people uh, a few sets back and champions. Um, and you know, even with characters that were uh, essentially commons that looked just like uniques in the video game, and it was sort of like, uh, what? That doesn't make sense. It looks just like this character, but it's called Jedi Guardian. And just having this new set coming out with all these Sith and all these other Jedi, and, and, and from the comics as well, because the comics was current, and just having these new characters, and some characters are actually the same characters in the KOTOR games, they're just younger, and a little look a little different, and that's just, it's exciting to see the tie-ins. I think I just figured out what the background noise is. Bottle tops. As I hear the what? silence. I Okay, never mind. If none, of you, if none of you guys have tops, bottle tops, you know, like little things off the top of a bottle beer bottle or whatever i keep hearing this little click 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 in the background and i think i figured out what it was <laughs> well i guess i didn't because no one's owning up to it so all right never mind uh it was me <laughs> there you go i didn't I, I didn't realize you could hear that i thought i had my microphone muted <laughs> wow i'm glad it wasn't me this time yeah <sighs> no see that's that, that's what you've learned from this podcast is that i am completely unprofessional so yeah <laughs> No, it's not that. Hey, you know, one thing we forgot to mention last podcast, now that I shot the wheels off, um, was the minis manager. Where where, yes. where can we find that? The oh-so-awesome. Right? Um, I don't use the shoebox. I use the uh, uh, one at swminiatures.com. Uh, I know it's not sanctioned by Watsy, but uh, Chuck Monarch, I believe, is the guy who designed it. This thing's freaking awesome. He updates it all the time. Uh, he gives it out for free. You can definitely go through PayPal and give him uh, give him some scratch if you want. But I mean, this thing is greatness. Uh, he really uh, he deserves a shout out in any place I go to talk about Star Wars minis. He does a fantastic job of of updating this. It's 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 got a squad builder in it. It's got an inventory manager. I mean, it allows you to, to, to create squads, and you can do it based on the pieces that you have. So if you only have 10 Stormtroopers, it won't allow you to use 12. Um, he also gives uh, pointers and ideas for, for building squads and making better synergy. Um, so, I mean, it's just it's a great tool to have uh, if you're a collector, a player, whatever. It, whatever, it goes up uh, just like a spreadsheet would. It's got pictures of all the pieces, and it's you know, more or less accurate. And I've been a couple of times when when, I, when uh, me or my buddy have shot him an email and said, "Hey, I think you got this wrong," and he corrects it like no problem. 
So it's a, it's great. It's at uh, swminiatures.com. Um, so other sites. Hmm? Oh, sorry. I was going to say, it is great also for someone who plays intermittently like I, I tend to do. Uh, you know, when you're used to two sets, and then the next time you play, there's five sets, and you're like, wow, man, what are all these pieces? And rather than spending all the time looking up the cards, and you know, you can just run through the manager, look at all the new pieces, see their stats, and see how they would play with each other. It's, it is a great, a great tool. Absolutely. Some other sites that that I've been looking at recently, um, one called Pojo. Is a lot of fun. They 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 take the miniatures and they give them a rating and they they say why. They they really dissect the man the the actual mini, uh, both uniques and and commons or excuse me uniques and um, non uniques and they say how they would be best used in a squad and I've actually learned a few things just by reading what they have to say. Um, you can never you can never find too many people to mentor you there, kids. There's the message of the of the podcast. Even if it's a little green hand, go ahead and take it. And he probably has some good advice. Right. Um, another one is uh, the holocron, and there's a little hyphen. It's the hyphen holocron dot com. That's a lot of fun. Um, he he has a good little site. And then uh, one that I like also is called Rebel Scum. I just love the title of it. <laughs> and they, they have a lot of up-and-coming new stuff. His isn't minis focused as much as it's uh, it's all Star Wars, but Boy. he'll he'll put mini stuff on there too. So, cool. What's Very up, cool. Jake? Uh, I was just saying he does also toys and uh, just all sorts of uh, swag and paraphernalia on Rebel Scum. Mm-hmm. Awesome. 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 Well, what did what what else, guys? We um, I think have we beat. Well, I, had a, uh, I had a question. Yeah, go ahead. I had a question for Rodney. Um, sure. We were talking about uh, Jedi counseling and uh, you know literature and uh, those things, and I, I wanted to ask you if you guys are thinking about uh, releasing either in a PDF form or some sort of uh, internet document that uh, covers all the previous Jedi counseling rulings. Uh, as well as perhaps some of the uh, role-playing game stats for some of the new minis as they come out. I know some of those stats are in the book, but just as a another resource that is essentially already created and always growing, have you guys given any thought to producing something like that? Uh, we haven't so far, but it's a pretty good idea. Um, what I could see us doing is doing a compilation of whatever's come out over like the last six months by topic, uh, sort of like how Dragon and Dungeon magazines kind of compile their monthly topics into a single PDF. So when I get back to the office tomorrow, I will uh, toss that one by our uh, web guys, but uh, it's, it's certainly not outside of the realm of possibility. It's just you know one of those deals where we have so much flying around at the same time, we haven't had a chance to uh, really put something together like that. But yeah, I can, I can definitely make that suggestion. Look at that, Jake. You oh. are an agent of change, my friend. Yes, I'm sure some people will really appreciate just having all that information, even if they sure. never really use it. But just having it available would be great. Sure, no, totally understandable. Cool. Sweet. Okay. All right, so I did have a, a little deal that uh, we have actually secured a couple of guests for the show, guys, and uh, even better than us, even better than you guys. I, 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 yeah, inconceivable, inconceivable. I know. Why do you keep using that word? I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> you got movie buffs here, so if we get into, if we get into movies, dude, this podcast will go three hours. That's the truth. I need friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get into a little bit of an RPG 
Celebrity Roundtable with former Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld, the Geico Caveman, and D20 Radio's own Mace Windu. Well, you know. Anyway, I the guys are here. I think I've got them dialed up. Uh, our, our first question actually is going to go to uh, to Secretary Rumsfeld. And uh, Don, you know, much is made here of, of the fog of war when you're running a campaign in not only Star Wars Saga Edition, but also, you know, in regards to D&D. And I know you're a big gamer. So from a GM perspective, you know, tell me what perspective you hold uh, when, it, when it comes to fog of war. But the message is that there are known knowns. There are things we know that we know. There are known unknowns. That is to say, there are things that we now know we don't know. But there are also unknown unknowns. There are things we do not know we don't know. What? I do not understand. Oh, my gosh. I, I have no idea what he was talking about. What the yeah, hell? whatever. <laughs> Me either. But I, I've, got a, I've got a question for the caveman, actually, if we've got him here. Um, okay. Can you guys even read the core rule books? I mean, how do you play the game? Okay, first of all, I'm not 100% in love with your tone right now. Yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, guys, let's, let's, let's try to make nice, all right? Uh, hey, Master Windu, I understand that a recent good game of yours gone, had gone bad. Uh, you're thinking about your GM style, maybe. You're thinking about changing it. Can you give us an idea of what was I like? I was sitting there eating my muffin and drinking my coffee and replaying the incident in my head when I had what alcoholics refer to as a moment of clarity. Wow. Uh, all right. Well, I've had that, too. Um, I got my chip. <laughs> uh, I have another question. I, 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 Leah, I'd like to get uh, Styles' questions answered. Secretary Rumsfeld, how do you run a game? What do you do? Oh, mercy. That's a tough one. The dumbest thing anyone could do would be to stand up here and start previewing things that somebody's thinking about or not thinking about or starting to disabuse you of each thing somebody tells you that we're thinking about because then the first time we don't disabuse you, you'll say, aha, that's what they're going to do. What? Uh, okay, never mind. Uh, Master Windu, you like uh, melee characters, right? Well, I'm a mushroom cloud laying motherfucker, motherfucker. I think that would be many DSPs. All right, never, never, you know, moving on. Let's, let's, let's go back to you, um, Senor Caveman. Um, Rodney was stating that, you know, you, you know, you cavemen haven't necessarily adapted to, to modern life. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, right. Walking upright, discovering fire, inventing the wheel, laying the foundation for all mankind. You're right. Good point. Sorry we couldn't get that to you sooner. Oh, well, okay. I see we're being a little bit combative. Are we, are we getting into a hole here? We do have a saying in America, if you're in a hole, stop digging. Um, not sure I should have said that. <laughs> I have no fucking clue what he's talking about. Master Windu, you uh, asked me something. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time.
Oh my gosh. What? What? <laughs> All right, on that note, I think wow. we'll end that round table, dude. It obviously went nowhere. Thanks to Don Rumsfeld and uh and Master Windu, well, really, Sam Jackson, and a very angry caveman for their participation in this. It absolutely bombed. I think we should go back and edit this thing out. Um, okay. It's <laughs> a good plus. I recommend that. I'm just not funny is the problem. Yeah, I'm not That's either. True. Plus, it, just, it, it, it looked good on paper, but, you know, never mind. Well, they just weren't into Kind of like abortions, so, you know. Same as apples. Wow. <laughs> I'm appalled. <laughs> yeah. I I'm a bill. Too. I'll you need in this saber and a wet back, and you're good to go. Oh. Oh. Bada bing, bada boom. Man, see. Trying to whip out those no, colors. I'm going to edit that out, too. See, now, definitely. <laughs> Episode 26. Worst show ever. Yeah. Somebody pull the lever up or crash landing. <laughs> All right, well, this would be the normal segment of the show that we would, uh, we would talk to TK421. However, we have uh, late breaking news here. Gentlemen, gentlemen, we are getting uh, reports out of Naboo that TK421 has been shot while not at his post during a random robbery. Now, details are very sketchy at this point, but apparently he was on a smoke break, of course, when a couple of swoop gang members attempted to steal his armor and they shot him. They uh, threw him into the river, and he went over the falls near the spaceport there in Naboo. Uh, Additional details have been posted by some of our uh, forum community close to the situation, and he is still listed in guarded condition at Padme Memorial Medical Center with wounds to the torso. So uh, Imperial spokesman Admiral Hawking, uh, actually I was able to talk to him a little bit earlier today, and he had this to say. This unfortunate event underscores the need to stay at your post at all times. This tragedy could have been avoidable. Yeah, see, even Admiral Hawking knows that you've got to stay at your post. That's true. You know, all I've got to say is I had forgotten how much Waka Chawaka was in the theme from Dallas. <laughs> Waka Chawaka. <laughs> I think CNN should adopt that for their breaking news. Yeah, you know. music. Hey, you know, it was the whole who shot JR thing, you know? That's right. Who shot TK? <laughs> who shot TK? Which we have. We have the, uh, the uh, was it South Fork? Uh, uh, what, near near my house, I think. I don't know. Where it is. Yeah, no, it's up here on the north side of Dallas. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where my prom was. Oh, wow. I, I went, I, I really wow. went far in life. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> was, was it a Dallas-themed prom? That would been awesome. That would have been No, cool. actually, um... Uh, miners in possession and um yeah <laughs> it was an mip theme pretty pretty much yeah um there was a lot you know what my wife might listen to this i'm gonna shut up now all yeah, right you better better be <laughs> yeah. careful yeah you yeah. better dude all right so with that let's uh let's go ahead and stop in uh step in to the d20 docking bay Twenty docking bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. 
And this twenty, this week's D20 Docking Bay, brought to you especially by Lukerman, who posts the following. Using the D&D rules for skill challenges, which is in the Dungeon Master's Guide, page 74 to 79, I have created some thematic skill challenges for Star Wars Saga Edition. The skill bonuses between the two systems are very similar. The DCs reference a table on page 42 of the Dungeon Master's Guide, but they can be approximated by this. Easy DC is one half level plus 10, medium DC being one half level plus 15, and hard DC one half a level plus 20. They said he, he can't go into more. He can go into more detail, but there's another web article that has some explanation regarding still challenges, and it's on. It's actually on the wizard site. And those four examples can be strung together for non-combat adventures. The specifics are left up to the GM, but they can be integrated into Episode 1 of the Dawn of Defiance campaign. So each is presented in its own separate reply. Comments, suggestions appreciated, blah, 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 blah. Enjoy the game. Thank you very much, Lukerman. So this is a great subject, you know, for mail call, but I decided, what the heck, let's put it into D20 Docking Bay because this has actually been a point of some contention between GM Chris and Mrs. GM Chris, who says <laughs> that, you know, Mrs. GM Chris says that, okay, what if she brought up the point? What if TG's character, Twilight Goodness, by the way, what if her character, it, it was, you know, she's a noble, and if we walked into a bar to find a guy and try to make a deal, who is the best person in the party to do that? That would be the noble, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. try and make a deal, and yeah, with 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 all the skills that the noble has. Now, Twilight Goodness character, when we walked into that bar, what did her character do? <laughs> ran to the game, 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 ran to the game. Rap. You really? Man, what was, was that? <laughs> that was Skype. That was that, that was, was accurate. That was <laughs> that was Skype <laughs> throwing his shoe, dude. What what do you got rigged up over there in that internet of yours? I bought it from some Jawas and a scan crawler. It's awesome. Every packet is carried by Carrier Pigeon to his internet service provider. <laughs> That's it, man. Good lord. One just came back with some dust. That must be close to home. Anyway, 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 what he was trying to, trying to, trying to say was that she went to the gambling table because she had a gambling addiction. If the GM had said, this is a skill challenge, then it would have changed the it would have changed the face of her activity, right? I mean, do you guys agree with that? Probably. Yeah, Yeah, it depends on how, how hard she wants to roleplay, but yeah, essentially the characters, in my opinion, just from my, you know, very noob-like uh, encounters, is the skill challenges, you tend to look to those that are skilled in that, you know, whatever skill that would be required for that success, you know, who's got the best numbers? Right. And roll, roll with it that way. Right. And so what do you guys think about the pod race that we did? You know, that was pretty much a skill challenge, don't you think? It seemed like it. I mean, with the, it's with piloting and stuff. Um, my my one issue with that was, was just that, um, and, you know, I haven't talked to him about it really because I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but it kind of left some of the party on the sidelines. Yeah, it um, really did. And just sort of a hanging. And uh, had there been something else for that behalf of the party to do, while the other three were engaged, because it was exciting. The pottery, you know, was exciting. We were all rooting and everything, 
but it still felt like half the party was like, all right, you guys are on pause until we get this done. And it took a while based right. on how it was run. So that that's where it was kind of like, it's a cool idea, but I'm not sure if the execution was totally 100% off. Right. Yeah, and, and I the was, real... I'm gonna, go, sorry, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead, Ronnie. I was just going to say, the real trick with skill challenges is to get everybody involved, right? Uh, the DMG, actually, I actually really like the skill challenge system from 4th edition, but the DMG talks about getting everybody involved and trying to encourage your players to come up with creative solutions. So while, you know, a pod race encounter might be, uh, you know, might, might be primarily based on pilot skill checks, what you need to do is try and find ways to get your other players involved. So, you know, you allow uh, other players to make knowledge checks and radio you know, relevant information based on the course to that person, right? And so that counts as a success when I make my, you know, knowledge uh, physical sciences check to realize, oh, yes, these canyons are, you know, so many years old and they've got these uh, giant uh, tunnels burrowed in them that are indicated by this red glowing rock or whatever. I don't know, just making that up, right? Right. And so that could give the pilot of the of the pod racer a, you know, a, a, an idea of a shortcut that essentially gives him an advantage and that way, you know, that, that noble player that's not actually sitting in a pod racer has made a knowledge check, has contributed, and is feeling, you know, kind of involved in the scene as well. Now, the, obviously, the trick is to find something like that for everyone who's not piloting a pod racer to do, and that can seem, that might be, get a little contrived every now and then, but what you want to do is try and find ways to get everybody involved in these skill challenges. Otherwise, it's just, it, really all it boils down to is a string of skill checks, which sort of defeats the purpose of the skill challenge system. Right. Hey, Chris, this is Brev. I just want you to know I did not throw you under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, don't, uh, I didn't throw him under the bus either. I think, you you know, he definitely tried something out on us, and it was fun. It was good. It just, you know, that's the whole point of experimentation uh, with some of these things is to make sure that, to, to see how they can improve them and use them in, in other encounters. And sure. I think... Uh, that was definitely his goal, and I think he pulled it off. I mean, the pod race wasn't a total failure. It was fun. Like I said, I, I found once I realized that my character was basically not involved, I'm just rooting people on and looking at the dice going, you know, either hooting or hollering or, you know, big guffaw or sigh whenever things don't go our, our party's way. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, said, I guess in a sense, I was in the audience. Yes, yeah, so was I. You know, the first, uh, first Dawn of Defiance adventure features what I would call my ham-fisted stab at the skill challenge system. It doesn't really codify it like the Dungeons & Dragons uh, uh, DMG does, but what we wanted to do was create you know, primary challenges, which are things that you have to get done, and then the secondary challenges, which are things that you want to get done. So if I had it to do over again, I could certainly see looking at that skill challenge system and saying, okay, you know, we need so many successes before so many failures. And with the design of the, of the you know, skill, skills challenge system in uh, the first Dawn of Defiance adventure, what you really need to add to that is basically something at the very end that says, okay, depending on how many primary and secondary objectives you achieved, here's the results, right? If you got less than six successes or whatever, right, then this happens. But if you got more than six, then, you know, this happens, right? So uh, I think there's there's a middle ground between the two ways of doing it that might actually work out really well for Star Wars. And in uh, Scum and Villainy, which comes out in November, we've actually got a table of uh, target 
skill DCs across uh, all 20 levels, and it's broken down into it's either four or five different difficulties, ranging from easy all the way up through heroic. I think it's five. Uh, so that if you're a, a game master and you say, okay, you know, I need to create a, a you know a, a scene where people use their skills, and I want it to be pretty hard. Okay, they're 16th level, so I need to set the DCs at or around this number here. So hopefully that'll make creating these little skill challenges. Uh, a little bit easier for game masters. That is cool, right there. November cannot get here fast enough. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, everything everything that's coming out between now and November, anyway. My God, I can't wait. Cool. Glad you can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. See, I'll be I'll be spending my money on your product. I might add. So hey. Yeah. Same here. I mean, I, I just got into this thing, and I'm already three books in, and. Uh, <laughs> Waiting for more. Of course, I've been buying, you know, all the novels as of late, getting really into the lore and everything that the EU, as as many people refer to it as, and uh, just been enjoying it all. So when I get a chance to delve into the role-playing game books, I have all that knowledge base to pull from, so it's it's always fun. Right. Well, Ronnie, um, I certainly appreciate you spending the last two and a half hours of your time with us, and uh, uh, Jake as well and Brev thanks for coming on and and providing a bonus to the D20 radio listener that if they haven't checked the forums they all they knew from our last podcast is that we weren't going to have a podcast this week and so this is a heck of a bonus they're going to get uh, not only they're going to get a podcast they're going to get one that's going to run just a, just shy of 2 hours and uh How's that? Wow. Yep. So yeah. I talk too much. <laughs> we Oh, you know, it it was fun. It was fun. We got to, you know, we got to do this again sometime with uh, with poor GM Chris. I know he hated the fact that he was going to miss you, uh, Rodney. But uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll do it again sometime soon. And you know, if 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 it keeps going the way it is, we'll have you on every sixth or seventh show anyway. Uh, you know, I'm around, so whatever you guys want to do is fine. That's right. Thanks, and, Rodney. I really enjoyed talking with you, man. And I I can't wait to see how much I get berated for questions I didn't get to ask <laughs> the, uh, the you know one of the the uh, kings of the system. Uh, and we'll, that'll be interesting reading, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, no problem. It's been my pleasure. And hey, Rodney, I, I, if, let's talk again. Maybe we'll get that minis thing going so Dave can get off my back. Sure, you can get my uh, email address from Dave. Just don't send me unsolicited Viagra emails and so forth. <laughs> oh, well then, uh, never mind. That's cool. Don't worry about it That's then. Right. Oh, so you were planning on doing the all Viagra spam <laughs> podcast? Is that what I was understanding? Uh, well, actually, it was Viagra, Mass and Gill. Just you're gonna hit all sides, so it's good. Sure, sounds yeah. good. Yeah, hey, I go. got uh, speaking of Viagra, I got a uh, I got one of my characters oh, no. banned in WoW. Uh, they actually they made me change my name because she was a uh, a human warlocker. I forget what it was. Anyway, her her name was Viagria. Wow. And, they, and they made me change it. That was so. It was so bizarre. I, I just hate. It. Oh, <laughs> and by the way, there's been a couple of community members um, on our forums that have asked about our WoW activities, and I know this is not Star Wars related at all. But we're on the Bronzebeard server. Anybody that wants to join the guild, send me an email: gmdave at d20radio.com. That'd be awesome. But here again, thank you guys for spending your time with us, and we will look forward to the next time we can all get together. Hey. Eh? Sounds good. Thanks, Dave. Thanks. Hey, you Adios, Gamer Nation. Adios, and keep them dice a-rolling. Peace out, 20 Radio, where gamers roll.
www.d20radio.com. This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at StarWars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at Wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all names, pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. This is GM Dave, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast.